Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 19 of Positions Net. I'm your host, Grant Peters, founder of Auto Racing Analytics and data analytics guy for Legacy Motor Club. Uh, as you guys know, this show's been missing for a few weeks now, and a few things have changed uh, in that time frame. Uh, for starters, uh, as a lot of you guys know, I am now working for Legacy Motor Club, um, but I've since moved back home. I'll still be doing that job in a small capacity remotely as I return to school. Um, but this podcast is now ready to return. Unfortunately, our uh, former co-host, Ben Amato, is no longer with us. Uh, he has gotten very busy with just so many, so many things, a lot of racing, uh, a new new engineering job, um, a lot of stuff going on in that man's life. So if he is able to come back at some point, that will potentially happen. Uh, but for now, um, understand the situation that he's in. Um, that being said, we've got a new co-host joining us this week. Uh, Eddie Fuhrer. Uh, Eddie is the is it was doing a per, uh, an internship with Fox Sports uh, NASCAR this summer. Um, he also runs an IndyCar and Formula One blog. Eddie, um, what did you think of the race this weekend, man? Um, it's actually funny giving my given my open wheel background because given that it was eighty two laps and eighty of those laps just ran straight green flag. Um, it honestly kind of felt like I was watching an F1 or IndyCar race. But the, I guess the main difference was that it was really close. It was really compact. You know, you didn't really see cars pull away from each other. So I was, it kind of got a bit dull at times, but I was generally impressed with the Indy Road Course race. Fair enough. Yeah, let, let's, let's, start to, let's start to unpack before we get into the race now. What else is going on with this podcast? So now we are we are a part of the NASCAR Weekly Betting Podcast uh, family of podcasts. So uh, it will still pop up in the separate Auto Racing Analytics Positions Net channel. Go subscribe to that. Um, but it'll also be um, in in that other feed uh, as a in in a partnership with Derek Yoder. So everybody, go thank him, support him uh, for what he's doing for us. Let's get into the race this weekend. Um, as it turns out, Michael McDowell has broken the playoff bubble. If you go back to episode 18, many weeks ago, uh, Ben and I predicted this. We, not so much the Michael McDowell win, but the fact that Chase Elliott was quite simply not going to make the playoffs. And we said that a long time ago, and it only be, continues to become more true. Today looked like it was basically the final showdown. Um, you get McDowell, the, the Cinderella story versus Chase Elliott, the guy who should in theory, make it with ease. Um, and he couldn't get the job done. Uh, we look at the four fastest cars per median lap rank. Uh, they're all separated by less than two percent, less than 0.2% per lap. That's an incredibly small gap. Uh, just half a tenth of percent uh, between Suarez, the fastest car, and McDowell, the second fastest. Then you got Almendinger and Elliott, both 0.17 per lap back. Eddie, how would you feel those those metrics translate to what we actually saw on the racetrack, knowing what they are speed value wise? Yeah, I think it I think it translated well. I mean, you know, the cars that kind of kept their way at the front really throughout the course of the afternoon kind of stuck together as the race went on. Something that I found interesting and, you know, it's very surface level, but the top four cars in starting position finished in the top four in an entirely different order. But, you know, 
kind of just seeing that we had a small group of cars that kind of had pace throughout the weekend, and I think the median lap reflects this, and it just was so close between those top few cars. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you there. So something interesting that, that I'm noticing in the data for starters um, is the fourth quarter median lap rank has me very confused because the fastest car in the fourth quarter was Michael Mc, was not Michael McDowell. It was A.J. Allmendinger. And we have to go way down the list to find the, the second fastest car or I, I'm not even seeing the second fastest car. I'm, I have no idea who the second fastest car in the third. Oh, there he is. Uh, Tyler Reddick. Okay. Don't have to go so far down the list. I just missed him. Reddick was the second fastest car. The third was Ross Chastain. We finally see Chase Elliott as the fourth guy. But Michael McDowell had the 15th fastest car in the fourth quarter. So I, I, I'm going to assume that that can be attributed to what they did strategy-wise. But I, I don't know. That just very, very wild number there. Um, I don't know if McDowell's Dow's car fell off a little bit. There was some saving going on. I'm, I'm kind of confused by that one. Yeah, it was. So it was McDowell and Suarez who kind of built up a gap over the rest of the field heading into the last set of pit stops and then Suarez entirely like botched the last pit stop. Like they yeah. were they were stuck for like I think like seven or eight extra seconds. So by the time McDowell left Pit Road for the last time, he had a pretty big gap. So I think it was just solely down to the fact that he didn't need yeah. to be the fast car in the field. Yeah, probably probably a large amount of saving going on there then. That yeah that would make that would make some good sense. Uh, we flip over to the best lap. Chase Elliott turned the best lap of this race. Um, the second fastest lap of the race was turned by his teammate, Kyle Larson. Those guys are separated by just a tenth of a percent. Um, you have to go down to the 33 car of Brody Koscicki to find the third fastest lap of the race, just barely off that of Kyle Larson. Uh, then Daniel Suarez and your fifth fastest lap of the race was turned by Tyler Reddick. No real surprises in there. I just want to preface, or I, I just want to give a moment in the sun again to Michael McDowell, the fantastic season, he, season he's having, obviously. And we'll get into that a little bit more in a moment. But the way that they ran this race is rather impressive. Second fastest car of the race, only the 15th fastest car in the fourth quarter. I, I, I agree we're attributing that to some saving, but still, that's that's still worth something to say that he was able to save that well um and just back back up quite a bit um, because they had a big enough gap but also only turns the ninth fastest lap of the race like it's not like they had a just dominant car like they had to get out there and execute against the best teams in the cup series and a little front row motorsports team was able to do it that's darn impressive and they've been doing it all year long they just haven't done it for a race win yet yeah i, I think they you know, they took a lot of slack this week when they announced that they were keeping their driver lineup. I think a lot of people kind of expected Zane Smith to jump up to the Cup Series. So, you know, I think maybe McDowell entered this weekend with something to prove. Like, hey, I, I want I deserve to stay in this ride in the Cup Series. So, you know, it's, it was really nice to see them just put it together. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand that one either because Front Row Motorsports, I feel, ha has a great driver lineup. It's not that I was, ex it's not that I was expecting them to want to change it. I mean, 
I think that McDowell has every right to that seat. He's done an incredible job. He's currently her median lap, average median lap rank across the full season, the fastest car on road courses this year. Now um, he was tied with Larson at the top, but now he's clear um, ahead on his own. The guy's making it work with what he has. And Todd Gilliland, uh, back when Ben was doing this podcast for the first 19 weeks, we were talking about Todd Gilliland nearly every week about how he was impressing and punching well above his weight class. Zane Smith, I mean, truck series driver for Front Row Motorsports has been impressive, sure. Um, but like to boot either of those guys, I feel would be a huge mistake. Um, so I, I was glad to see that happen. But yeah, very surprising, I think, that McDowell didn't get a promotion to anywhere. I'm 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 fairly right. disappointed to not see him get a Stuart Haas seat. Um, I guess I mean at this point maybe you'd rather be in a front row car. I don't I don't know what's happening there. Yeah. Um, it's, it's more of a mess by the day at Stuart Haas at this point. Uh, I think more than most people know, it's a mess by the day at Stuart Haas Racing. Um, but Michael McDowell's season as a whole, man. That team is casually putting themselves well up the point standings. They're 15th right now. Um, only 18 points off of Bubba Wallace. Um, Joey Logano, quite, quite a ways clear. They're not going to catch him. But still an impressive season. You, I've, been pre, I, I've been talking so much about Ricky Stenhouse this year and how he's had an incredible year. Um, he currently sits 16th, tied with Michael McDowell um, on points. Those are two guys that have punched well above their weight class unbelievably impressive out of both of them um mcdowell's median lap ranks are also quite quite impressive um as he like on intermediate tracks he, he's the 20 he's averaging roughly a 24th fastest car non-drafting ovals in general roughly a 23rd fastest car that's kind of what you'd expect out of a front row car but the impressive part is that he's put it that far up the point standings there that, that's a team that's executing regularly um, and maximizing points every single week. Like at the end of the day, that's what matters in the cup series. That's what, that, that's, what's going to win you championships. It's not, that's, what's going to get you into the playoffs as well. It's not being the outright fastest guy. It's being able to execute on that. And Daniel Suarez is a perfect example of that today. Yeah. Daniel Suarez, you know, it's, you might look at it as like a bad week because the playoff cutoff got like blown up, but you know, he was near the front all day, and he could have very well won the race if that pit stop didn't happen. And the most important thing is that he racked up a lot of stage points. He was uh, top three in both stages. The only other driver who was was Michael McDowell. So I think this was a good day for Suarez. I, I just think that, you know, it's kind of bummed out for him that he didn't get the winner, it didn't get a get into position to win because of that pit stop because now he's you know 30 points below the cut line it's going to be pretty difficult now unless he puts the car in victory lane at Watkins Glen but we know that historically Suarez has not been the fastest at super speedways yeah well here's here's the problem that I have with with Suarez today and we can say all we want that Suarez, he did gather stage points. He did cut the gap. He's only 28, 28 out to Bubba Wallace. He's only 10 behind Michael McDowell. Obviously, that doesn't matter anymore, but you remove Mc, McDowell's win just for the sake of discussion, and he's only 10 out on McDowell. But still, 
when you have the fastest car, you got to execute because it's not very often that you do get the fastest car. And yeah, McDowell, he's he's basically got an even car with Suarez. I mean, it's only half a tenth of percent between them. But ultimately, the score sheet says that Suarez had the fastest car per median lap in this race. And in prior years, the fastest car has won the race 40% of the time. In the next gen era, that's dropped to roughly 20%. And it's just, it's tough to watch a race where nothing really crazy happened. Like, there wasn't any chaos, restarts crashing like there's there's nothing to stop the fastest car from winning and they just failed to execute like that's a that that's a problem like it at that point it's like you know this was your day to prove that you're a playoff team and you just missed the bucket and that's that's unfortunate because at the beginning of the year like i had i had high hopes for suarez i didn't think he'd make the playoffs just because i think the field was getting more competitive but he's 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 pointed his way through this year and been solid at times it's just in the modern era you've got to execute when you have the fastest car because you won't have it very often and i've i've harped on ross chastain plenty of times for failing to execute but man his it this one hurts for suarez i think yeah yeah well you know chastain he got his win when you know he was in a position and i think that you know, that 99 team has just reeked of, like, inconsistency throughout oh, the course. And, absolutely. yeah, I think that part of the current game as far as getting into the playoffs is realizing tracks that you're going to be strong at versus tracks where you're saying, okay, maybe we're not going to have as great of a week as we can have in other places when we go here. And... You know, I think for, yeah, I think for Suarez, I just feel for him because with the whole, you know, the pit stop error, like, you know, that's completely out of the driver's control. Um, It was, I didn't know if you ended up seeing that, but it was, they lifted up, um, they had a, uh, they had like a cord, like stuck under the car. And so they had to lift up the, left side again to get the cord from like one of the tire gunches out of the way so he could go and that's that's just so unfortunate because it's just something entirely out of driver's control something that they practice you know so often and yeah i mean it's a team sport you know but um yeah it just becomes harder and harder for Suarez to get into the playoffs now especially with mcdowell winning that race yeah, as a as a member of Legacy Motor Club, I understand the struggles of this being a team sport. Um, like it, it's no secret to the world that we've had our fair share of problems on pit road this year. But like, so have a lot of other teams. Like in in this era with the with the single locking lug, like it it makes that margin so much smaller for error because if you make a mistake on anything. You take what was a nine and a half second pit stop and you make it a 12 second pit stop, which doesn't even sound bad, but that's three seconds on the racetrack. That's that's probably five positions on a yellow flag pit stop. That's maybe maybe more, maybe less. It, it's roughly that. And under green, that's that's three plus seconds on the racetrack. Like you can't give that away. And with with so few things to do. 
it makes those mistakes just so much more magnified. And that's just, that's a hard thing to recover from. And there's a lot of teams that have struggled with that. Like the the 99 is not on their own in that regard. Um, it, uh, and I don't, I don't even know what their, what their, what their deal has been across the whole season. I can, I can pull up their median stop time here on autoracinganalytics.com. Um, for the 99 car they're 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 a solid pit crew like they're they're in the top 15 they're we look at the the fastest team per median time is ross chastain and the second fastest team is suarez and there's only about a tenth between them like that's not like that's not even anything to to scoff at so even 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 the faster teams it, it happens to all of them um yeah Tough week for Suarez. Eddie, who else do you want to talk about this week? Who else comes to mind? Uh, let, let's talk about the Australians. We haven't talked about them at all. Um, yeah. Brody Koscicki, I saw him basically nothing of him the whole race, despite the fact I look at the stat sheet and he's he turned the third fastest lap of the race. Any any thoughts on Koscicki? I, you know, Brody Koscicki. Um, I'm not saying the name correct. Oh my gosh, I'm going to get canceled by Twitter. Awesome. Great. <laughs> Brody Kosecki, I don't know if you were aware of this, but he ran half a season in the Arca East series. I did not know that. That's news to me. Yeah, nine years ago, back when he was like, I don't know, like 15, 16, he's 25 now. So at 16, 17 years old, he ran half a season in the Arca East series. I think his his like best finish was at Dover. It's it's okay. something like yeah you'd think he'd be like a road course specialist in that kind of series but no he um it was actually funny because working on nascar race club for the past few months we had uh we had andy petrie in the studio one day and he's like guys i gotta add something to the script we gotta talk about this brody kostecki guy so i actually was kind of taking his word as like, oh, this guy's going to do well. Um, he had to go to the back of the field, qualifying crash. Um, he worked his way up to 22nd, which was, you know, in a, in a race without cautions. Um, people didn't really move as much as you'd anticipate up and down the field. But, you know, I think it was a decent run. I mean, he outdid all the other international like road course ringers other than SVG. But um, no, I think Kostecki did, you know, he did respectable. He came in. I, I just got to wonder if he kept his 11th qualifying position, if he didn't reckon qualifying, you know, he probably would have been pushing for a top 10 throughout the course of the race. But yeah, he was fast. Yeah. Um, that that would have been interesting to see if he would have started up front. Um because that uh, qualifying is so much more important now than it was even three years ago. Like it's, it's a lot bigger deal now. It's a lot, um, the field's closer, so it's harder to pass. I want to preach this and uh, I got to keep saying it because people don't seem to understand it. It's not always that it's hard to pass because the car sucks. It's hard to pass because the field is separated from last to first by less than two and a half percent per lap that's basically nothing so it's just like you look at the the guys that are separated by less than a percent are the guys from first to 26th that's that's going to be a tough field to pass in because everybody's pretty level 
Um, but yeah, it, qualifying, a lot more important now. Let's talk about the other Australian counterpart, uh, Shane Van Gisbergen. Solid run for him, uh, 10th place. I personally am more impressed by this run than the Chicago win. Um, I don't put a ton of stock into the Chicago win because a lot of the top contenders like Bell and Truex and um, who else was up there? A couple other Toyotas basically took themselves out of contention. And uh, Shane Van Gisbergen, I mean, not taking anything away from him. Like he, he did a fantastic job that week. Um, that's just, it was just a very odd set of circumstances for him to come to win that race. Still did it. Still did a fantastic job. The, and, he, and he was the fastest car there, which was significantly more impressive than anything else he did that weekend. Um, this week, sixth fastest car on a standard road course in a car that he's driven now once. To me, that's infinitely more impressive because we've been to this track before. Um, I'd l- I wish he was running Watkins Glen because I'd be very interested to see where he'd stack up there. But a solid run for Shane. And... I, I think next year, if what it sounds like is happening ends up happening, I, I think we'll see him in a few in a few starts in the lower series on the ovals, um, and we'll see a few more cup cup road course starts for him. But I'm I'm very interested to see how he does in those lower series oval starts because I think that really dictates um, how much of a future he has here because. Well, we'll get into that. What was your thoughts on Shane Van Gisbergen this weekend? Um, I think I think SVG did really well. Um, I I also think like it's kind of crazy that the NBC broadcasters still screw up his name. It's like, pretty pathetic. Like uh, it's Van Gisbergen, not Van Gisbergen. Like it's all on the emphasis. Um, no, I actually um. Going back to working on Race Hub, we had Shane in the Fox studio on Wednesday, last Wednesday. Um, and he's just a guy who's having so much fun. Like he I watched the uh I watched the truck race, the IRB truck, and he just would come over to radio like he's like, I'm like this is so awesome, like I'm loving this so much. And then it's it's actually very wholesome because like he got lapped and then uh, he got the free pass, and he comes over. And he's like, "Is that a good thing? Like, is that something?" I- <laughs> um, yeah, another another good week for SVG. Um, I like the fact that he is going to run ovals at the lower levels. I think it'd be throwing him into the fire too much to do uh, ovals at the cup level. That's the same thing they did with uh, Ambrose Marcus Ambrose when he came to the Cup Series. Um, also came from Australian Supercars. Um, they had him run a lot of oval truck races. So I think that's going to be a good experience for him. And, you know, at IRP, he did he did decently well. Um, it's not easy to just hop into your first oval race and run in the middle of the field. Um, and then, obviously, another really good weekend um, at, at the road course. And I heard that there were some issues with a sticky throttle pedal. And... I'm curious to see how much that would have affected him throughout the course of a race. Yeah, that is, that's also worth noting for sure. Um, Here's my thoughts on Van Gisbergen as far as his future in NASCAR goes. I, I, first of all, I love that he's here. Um, I think he's great for the sport. I I love to see somebody come in and like make the cup guys go for it a little bit. Like see, 
see like somebody else come in with a with a different skill set and and force the series to develop. I think that that's a good thing for everybody. Um, that being said, as far as his development next year goes, I really wanted to see him come in full time into the Cup Series selfishly um, because I was intrigued to see what would happen. Like I think that that would be just a really fun storyline to deal with. Now, would that be the smartest thing to do? Probably not. I think that what's going to shake out and happen pretty well is, as I understand it, I'm expecting Hosovar to go to the 77 car at Spire. That's what I think is going to happen. And if that happens, that opens up a Nice truck seat. And I would love to see Shane Van Gisbergen full-time in a truck, give him the opportunity to go into something that was competitive this year, run the full season, and then in addition to that, run all the cup road courses and maybe an oval start at like a spring Kansas race or something. Um, I, I think it would be interesting. I'd love to see it happen. And I think, I, I think that at the hands of Trackhouse, he's in the best possible situation to, to develop his career. Um, I, I, I'm here for it. I'm excited to see, to see how that goes for him. And I hope that he ends up signing with Trackhouse. I really, really hope. And I, I hope that that's the situation that kind of pans out there is a full-time truck season. Um, but we'll, we'll just have to see what goes down. Um, I'm, lo- I'm looking forward to it, though. Yeah, good fit being a track house. Um, Absolutely. I, I think the full-time truck series, truck season, if that were to happen, would probably make me much more inclined to watch truck races on a week-to-week basis. Yeah, I and here's let, let's talk about the truck series for a little bit. Sure, it's messy and sure things happen, but ultimately when you look at the final standings, this is something people seem to lose sight of sometimes is they love to defend certain drivers and their truck series results because oh the truck series it's a mess, it doesn't matter. Listen, you can't really use that argument because ultimately if you look at the truck series standings the guys who deserve to win and do well, they do well anyway. Like, regardless of the messiness of the series, the guys who should get it done still get it done. You look at the guys who made the playoffs. It's Heim, Majeski, Ekkis, Hosovar, Smith, Enfinger, Rose, Sanchez, Crafton, Benedetto. Not one of those guys is a slouch. And personally, I look at the guys that missed it. Friesen, we've seen him perform well from time to time in, in past years. I think he's gone to a couple Final Fours. Tyler Ankrum, he's no slouch. Taylor Gray, he's developed well. Raja Karuth has had just a brutally unlucky season. That is a driver that is extremely talented, that has had so many things go wrong for him. Like, ultimately, the guys who, who execute and win and do well they do for a reason. And so I still feel like the truck series is a valuable place despite its chaos. I think it's chaos is good for drivers. Um, and I, I personally think that it develops drivers better than the Xfinity series does because arrow wise, like if you come from short track racing anyway, like you're going to learn more from the aerodynamic stuff of the truck series than you will from the Xfinity series. And that'll translate better to cup. Um, that's my opinion anyway. Yeah, no, I I agree with a lot of that. I think that the truck series 
you know, even if it can be messy at times, I mean, the Cup Series can too, depending on what tractor adds. So, Absolutely. You know, That's my point entirely is I, I don't feel like it's a bad thing for drivers to to go in and prepare themselves for that because the cup series is not immune either. Like guys are desperate. Yeah. I actually, um, Bob Pockers put up a like top 20 NASCAR prospects. Like baseball has like this big, like prospect list of like the guys who are going to eventually. Absolutely. Be I believe that auto racing analytics may or may not be dropping a prospect list this off season, actually. Um, yeah. Because motorsports analytics used to do that with David Smith, and I'd I'd like to continue that tradition. But yeah, go ahead. And he had at the top, he had Zane Smith, he had Carson Hosevar. Instead of going with Xfinity guys, he went with truck guys at the uh -huh. top. Um, thinking that these guys probably had brighter futures in the series. Um, so yeah, I think the. There's definitely a lot of merit to racing in the truck series. Um, I also like the fact that in the truck series, there's quite a wide variety of tracks. Um, there's less intermediates than you'd see in the Cup series. You kind of get a taste of everything. Um, I, I really like the idea of IRP having an expanded role in NASCAR in the future. That was a really good racetrack for them to go at. But, yeah, um, yeah, we, we can talk about schedule for a little bit here, too, if you want to. Um, IRP, I unfortunately, I disagree with you because, like, yeah, it's an awesome track. It's a great venue. The problem is, is realistically, we should be on the oval. We should be on the big track at IMS. And I think that's going to happen next year. And I'm so excited for it. But I like IMS oval for cup. And then I want to see IRP for Xfinity and truck. Oh yeah, absolutely. If if that's your game plan, absolutely. I so I, I love that idea. Um, yeah. Mind you, I think the trucks would put on an incredible show on the oval at at IMS. I think that that would be insane. But I do. I, I kind of agree with you for the prestige of it. It would be it would be nice to just stick the cup cars on the oval and send the the two minor league series to the short track. I think that's a solid move for sure. Um, it it also mirrors what. So for the Indianapolis 500, they have the 500 on uh, Sunday, and then the night before they have the Carb Night Classic, which is the Junior Series for IndyCar do IRP, and they get great attendance just from people who are like, oh, I'm going to watch the Junior Series just because they're right down the road. Yeah. So while we're, we're going to get mildly off topic here for a moment, while we're on the subject, Eddie, you're an IndyCar guy. Yeah. Why is the Freedom 100 not a race anymore? That is just criminal. I loved that race. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I know. I hear it. Um it's I actually don't know. I I don't have a great answer for you and I wish I had a great answer like all day chose to stop this, but yeah. I think that it needs to come back because you need to give the younger guys experience on an oval um i mean we won't get too far into it but yeah just a, a personal preference of mine i love love good racing on the indianapolis motor speedway oval so cup series let's get on that oval or let's let's just leave um yeah we'll we'll have a whole scheduled debate at some point 
later down the line because i i think we both have pretty strong opinions on a few of those things let's start looking ahead though um playoff bubble let's talk about it mark going into uh watkins Glen. we got two races to go oh the last thing i wanted to mention on uh truck series stuff um worth noting if the 42 was to go to shane van gisbergen next year that car is currently the second fastest on non-drafting ovals in the truck series so he'd be hopping into an incredible race truck all right Let's get through it. Cup Series playoff bubble. Um, it's pretty straightforward at this point. 28 points separate uh, Bubba Wallace. And where is he? There he is, Daniel Suarez. We um, also got Ty Gibbs. Man, I, I thought for a minute Ty Gibbs was going to start to piece something really good together, and now he's 50 points out. Unfortunately, I do think it, it was only a matter of time before the pressure started to, uh, to get to the Cup Series rookie. He's done an incredible job. He's had an incredible year. Um, all the props in the world to Ty Gibbs. Fantastic, fantastic effort by him. Way more than anybody should have expected out of him this year. Still think he could find a way to pull off a win this year. But at this point, he's probably going to miss the playoffs. Still a solid solid year out of Ty Gibbs. Oh, yeah, definitely. I um, Yeah, it was funny being... If we go right below Ty Gibbs to Chase Elliott, um, it was funny just seeing all the analysts come on to Race Hub like while I'm sitting in the studio and be like, oh, Chase Elliott, he's going to point his way into the playoffs. Um, and now that's a complete like impossibility. So, yeah, it's kind of just all... Watkins Glen is just going to be very big because you look at the guys... Suarez 17th, Elliott 19th, Almendinger 21st, Cindric 22nd, you know those are all guys who are going to go into Watkins Glen thinking, okay, this is by far my best chance to get a win. Absolutely. Um, I agree with you that they, they should think that, but if we objectively look at the statistics, the, uh, the possibilities are slim. AJ Allmendinger currently sits tied for second, uh, for median lap rank on road courses for 2023. He's tied with Tyler Reddick behind only uh, Michael McDowell. So that's incredibly impressive for AJ Allmendinger. The problem is I haven't seen anything promising out of AJ um, since earlier this year. That is a team that um, I, I think that to, let's just put it this way. When AJ went to road America, that should have told everybody a lot of stuff about what's yeah. happening. It's been all downhill. Um, let let's just let let's understand that should have been a large red writing on the wall. I'm so disappointed though because I I thought I, I said at the beginning of the year I thought AJ Allmendinger was could point his way into the playoffs, and I thought he'd win two races, or he might win two races, probably one. But even if he didn't, I thought he'd point his way in. And for a long time, it looked like he was going to do it. He was only a few points out, and then that's kind of when things shifted. Of he's only like. 17 out and then he he skips richmond practice and qualifying to go run an xfinity race and that's just that's super unfortunate um because that that was a guy that was doing really well we look at coda fourth fastest car um a little bit later in the year we go to sonoma he's got the fifth fastest car we carry on to chicago and he's kind of nowhere he had the 13th fastest car now we show up at indy he's fast again with the third fastest car but we haven't seen much execution out of that team Watkins Glen's a great track for him. 
I just don't even know. I, I don't know that they can can bring the car that I've been thinking that they actually could bring. Yeah, it doesn't look great for the 16. Yeah. We switch over to the 9 car. I said this way back months ago, that that 9 team, if you remove all of Chase Elliott's accolades, if you just objectively look at the statistics, they were never going to make it on points. It wasn't going to happen. That car is not extremely fast. It's fine, but it hasn't been anything special. On road courses this year, that is the 10th fastest car, averaging a 14th place median lap rank. This weekend, they showed up. They brought the fourth fastest car. Um, awesome. Like, they were 27th fastest at Chicago, so that's not great. Um, I don't know which nine teams going to show up at Watkins. Yeah, but I also think, like, HMS has been really good at Watkins Glen past few years. Like that's they have. Just, yeah. They have. But here's the other problem. And uh, honestly, I think that's more of a problem than a good thing is that HMS has been good, meaning he's got to get through his teammate Kyle Larson, who is an absolute stud. Yeah. Yeah. Larson's just been having a great year. And um, he's a really he's just becoming I feel like he's just becoming much more comfortable on road courses like ever I, since his return back in 2021 I, I think that was I mean when he hopped into the Hendrick cars he, he won more races that year on road courses than Chase Elliott did like he's he's picked up his game significantly um, yeah for sure yeah and you I think that you have to be really comfortable on road courses if you want to go far because you know i think we're up to seven on the schedule and then you have the roval race which uh is you know deep in the heart of the playoffs yeah i i think that it's it, going back to Watkins Glen. um it's a really tall task for chase elliott heading into this weekend and i would be very surprised if he were to go on to win this race yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't disagree. We'll get into race favorites here shortly after we finish up the the playoff bubble. Um Bubba Wallace, man, he's holding on for dear life against Daniel Suarez. Um that car, we know Bubba's not a great road course racer. And unfortunately, the statistics agree. Um 28th fastest on the season on road courses, tw- uh, averaging a 26th place median lap rank. I don't know how they're going to do this, but they need to find. Let's see here. Where's where's my point standings? Um, Bubba's currently sitting on five hundred and sixty points. So realistically, well, that's interesting. So my preseason predictions metrics were that it was going to take. I think I said six hundred points to make the playoffs, but it appears that it's going to take more than six hundred points. Maybe I maybe I'm thinking I had 650, but either way, realistically, he's got a 10 point gap. He's gonna have to score big at Daytona because I I mean if they can find 20 points this weekend, I yeah. think that would be a good day for Bubba. Yeah, I think so too. But just think like 
okay, let's say Chase Elliott does win this race, or let's say Austin Cindric wins this race. Like, oh, if either of them win this race, he's out. Like, they, there's yeah. nothing to talk about. Right. He's 115 points back on Keselowski. Like, yeah. I, I think he's going to simultaneously have to, like, you know, if he can try to push to stay around the edges of the top 10 and try to get some of stage points, that'd be really appreciated. But he's just going to have to hope and pray that nobody below him ends up winning the race or else he is, you know, done. Absolutely. If you're Bubba, you're fighting, you're strictly fighting Daniel Suarez at this point. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, anything else is out of your hands and you got to go to Daytona and try and get it done. Um, where what, what is Daniel Suarez sitting on for a road course median lap rank? Also, sorry, guys. It, by the time this is up, I may or may not have the averages updated on the website. Um, they might not have Indy in them yet, but they should be close. Um, the ninth fastest car on road courses is Daniel Suarez, averaging a 12, a 12.5 median lap rank. Um, so the, the disparity there is pretty large. If you're Suarez, go out there, score decent stage points, don't do anything stupid, no mistakes. That's the weekend you need. Like then and if you do that, I think you you get level, probably jump Bubba on points and you go into Daytona with a points advantage. That'd be a that'd be a great a great scenario for Suarez and I think he's perfectly capable of that. Just like show up, do what's expected and absolutely nothing more and get out. I think is what you need to do there. Yeah, and if he's above, you know, just stay alive at Daytona. Just stay in it till the end. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know that I agree with that. I think if you're Suarez and you go in, like, it, you go into Daytona with a good points buffer, it, it, not, not even a good points buffer, but a points buffer in general, I think you go out and try and gather as many stage points as you can because – that's just that's free more free points on the board that are hard to come by. And it, let's say you go into Daytona with a 10 point gap. Let's say you make a 20 point swing at Watkins Glen, which would be hard to do, but could happen. So Suarez goes into Daytona. Wait, that's not even possible. Suarez is he's not 10 points out. He's 28 points out. So realistically, Suarez is not going to go into, into Daytona with with a with a gap. He's going to he's not going to make up 28 points. He could make up 20 points, though. He could come in eight out. Like, both of those guys are going to have to go to Daytona and, and fight every stage. So that would be exciting. Yeah, but, I, you know, I just fear for someone like Suarez, okay, if you're fighting at the end of stages, that is a putting yourself out there in a greater chance to get yourself wrecked. It is. It, it 100% is. And... The problem is, is you can't be afraid of that because if let's say that Bubba Wallace goes for stage points and Suarez doesn't, if it doesn't matter what, which individual this is, I'm just saying it that way for simplicity's sake, Bubba goes out and in both stages finishes third, which is completely reasonable to expect. That's a 16 point swing right there. You cannot give up 16 points. You will not make up 16 points in the final running order. It won't happen. Even if Bubba finishes sixth in both stages, that's five points twice. That's a 10-point swing. That means you got to beat him by 10 positions plus the eight points worth of gap. Like, unfortunately, either one of those guys is going to be in a situation where they're going to have to fight 100% at Daytona 
if they go in reasonably close. Yeah, yeah. And it, and it might not fit fair ball for Daniel Suarez. Given yeah. His- well, I mean, Bubba's just a, an incredible speedway racer. We'll, we'll get into that next weekend. We're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah. Um, Freddie, who, who do you got on your board of guys to win at Watkins Glen? Let's get, in, let's get, into, get into winners for this weekend. That is a great question. I like Tyler Reddick. He was top 10 last year in the RCR car. He has been just great on road courses throughout the course of the season. He was running near the front. Um, He was kind of getting held up for a while by Suarez, but I think if you give him clean track, especially I feel like Watkins Glen is a bit easier to overtake than the Indy road course in some places. Um, I really like Reddick for this weekend. Yeah, I do too. Um, his performance this weekend on the Indy road course uh, gave me a lot of hope for him going into Watkins Glen um, because I, I feel like the Indy road course is the most comparable road course for Watkins Glen. So when you guys go to go to think about who's going to win this week or who's going to run well, I think that you literally go to the NASCAR, go to autoracinganalytics.com, go to the 2023 Cup Race Breakdown page and just find the guys that were fast this weekend. It's likely they're fast again next weekend. Uh, Reddick brought the fifth fastest car this weekend, second fastest in the fourth quarter, fifth the fastest per best lap. Those are good numbers. I like yep. Reddick a lot as well. Um, my first pick, uh, Not I, I'm, I'm not doing these in any particular order. I'm going to a guy who struggled a little bit this weekend at the Any Road course. Uh, 11th fastest car in the week, Martin Trex Jr. Martin Trex has been hot. He's a good road course racer. I don't know what happened this weekend at Indy. I'm not too concerned about it. I I like what I've seen out of Truex on road courses in the past. What I saw out of Truex at Chicago gave me some hope. Um, and I, I just, I feel like that team, they're the eighth fastest team on road courses this year, even with this weekend included. I think they're going to bring a solid car, and I, I think I think he'll have something there because, well, I don't know. It, it's tough to call because you know that team is already looking at the playoffs, but like they've got, you'd think you'd you'd want to run well this week to just ensure that you lock up the regular season championship. Um, the only question I that concerns me with Truex is how much they actually care about this race, um, but we'll, we'll we'll see there. Either way, he's on my short list of guys that I think will run well. Yeah. Do you know who uh, who scored the most points counting stage points last year at Watkins Glen? Uh, I do not. It is Joey Logano. Okay, yeah. So I have heard that stat. Um, I feel like that he might have flipped. Yeah, I feel like he flipped the stages, though. Yeah, that might have been. Yeah. I don't have so, that to remember Watkins Glen fully last year, but yeah, I, I wouldn't even put Logano on my, on my long list of guys to win. Uh, Fords have had their fair share of problems. A guy that I would throw on my list though, is Chris Busher. Busher, notoriously a great road course racer, ninth fastest car this weekend, eighth in the fourth quarter. Um, and across the full season, that's the seventh fastest car on road courses. So I'd, I'd throw him in the mix for sure. He's he's tied with Truex, actually. Or not quite. He's just a little bit ahead of Truex. 
on the full season median lap rank uh, on road courses. Uh, so we've got we've got Reddick, we've got Truex, we've got Busher. Eddie, who else is on your short list of guys to win this weekend? Um, I I like Kyle Larson um, to repeat. Um, you know, HMS has just been really great. Um, I think that he's kind of been, you know, punching around towards the top. It's kind of due time for Larson to end up back in victory lane. Um, and also, like, you know, this would be great for helping him kind of move up the standings, get yet another win, get a few more playoff points, and push your way towards that top three of Truex, Byron, and Hamlin. So yeah, when we look at when we look at the the top the top guys on road course median lap rank this year, number one is McNowell. Then you got Tyler Reddick tied with AJ Allmendinger. Fourth is Kyle Larson. I look at Reddick as kind of your your straight up fastest guy of those of that group because he's the he's the first he's the fastest guy from a big team. And then Kyle Larson, I look at as your second most likely guy. So that's a he's averaging that seventh fastest car on road courses, which places him fourth in the series. Right below him, um, there's two more guys I think we need to mention. Christopher Bell and William Byron. Um, Here's my thing with Christopher Bell. Um, That was the third fastest car at Chicago. So that's boosting his metric a little bit um, at a racetrack that I don't feel really translates well. He did have the eighth fastest car this weekend, though. Uh, Byron had the 12th fastest. I think those guys are both... Um, those are two in contention to win for sure. And obviously we can't cut out Chase Elliott. Also, um, despite the fact that I've said what I've said already about that nine team, he he'll, he'll be there. Um, he will, um, Eddie, give me your final, final answer. Who are you picking this weekend to win? Oh boy. Um, who? Let's go. A guy who was in the top 10 last year at Watkins Glen. Um, let's go for back-to-back McDowell. Because the last, you know, we had Busher win back-to-back and afford. You know, why can't McDowell do the same thing? Especially if we're going to another road course. Um, I, I think that it would be asking a lot of his front row team. But... You know, nothing is going to give you more confidence going into a weekend like winning in the previous weekend, especially when you're doing a similar track to what you did last weekend. So, you know, I wouldn't he's not the guy I'd put at the top of the list. I think that Reddick would be my, you know, like my if I had to lock in one pick. But, you know, I do like McDowell. Yeah. So here's Michael McDowell. It's it's very difficult to to pick this weekend because if you look at the numbers, Michael McDowell is the fastest car on road courses and he had the second fastest car at Indianapolis. So those two things should push you to pick McDowell. The problem is is when you when you when you when you actually notice whose statistics you're talking about, like you look you you look at them objectively, not even caring who's driving the car, and you're like, "All right, obviously McDowell makes the most sense." Then you realize that this is Michael McDowell in front row motorsports and it's like, "Ah, can you really place your faith in that team? I I think I'm a guy that likes to look objectively at the statistics, but ultimately analytics is to look at the statistics with a with with a bit of a lens on it um, and understand what you're looking at. And I think 
in doing that, your smartest pick is going to be Tyler Reddick. Um, because that car is just barely off the mark of McDowell. He's second per median lap rank this year. He's consistently fast on all the road courses. He's had, he, he did have a bad week at Sonoma. Sonoma translates basically nothing to Watkins Glen. Um, I, I like Reddick a lot this weekend, um, but I, I do think McDowell will be up there for sure. We've mentioned plenty of other guys to watch. Um, I think that basically wraps up this weekend. Guys, if you've got any, any questions for us, uh, shoot me a message on Twitter um, and I'll, I'll get you the answers you're looking for as you, uh, as you look forward to this next coming week at Watkins Glen. Um, Eddie, where can the people find you? Uh, you can find me. Um, well, you can find me in Pennsylvania. Uh, that's where I live. But um, you can not, find not quite like that. That's not helpful, Eddie. Where can the people find you on the internet? Uh, I'm on. <laughs> I'm on Twitter at uh, Eddie F two three two three. Um, you can find my personal page, and then also if you want to keep track of my work with racing and journalism and the guys you're going to see in a few years in IndyCar and F1, um, make sure to follow us at US Open, Open Wheel Nation on Instagram. We just passed 300 followers. so Absolutely. Eddie, thank you so much for joining us this week. Uh, we really appreciate it. Um, as for myself, um, uh, I'm Grant Peters, the founder of Auto Racing Analytics. You can find, uh, thank you so much for listening to the show. Uh, if you managed to find us without following the Twitter, congratulations. You're really something special. Um, go follow the Twitter. That's AR underscore analytics. That's auto racing analytics on Twitter. Um, I post a bunch of data over there, a bunch of graphics, uh, cool stuff to, to analyze the data. Uh, you can also go see the full list of all the stats we talk about on this pod- podcast over at autoracinganalytics.com. Also want to thank my guy, Derek Yoder. Um, for putting us on the NASCAR weekly uh, betting podcast feed. Um, that was super nice of him to do. Um, we, we really appreciate that. Um, so go follow all of his pages as well. Um, subscribe to to his his feed um, for, for betting podcasts um, and subscribe to the Auto Racing Analytics uh, Positions Net podcast feed as well. Um, for this podcast specifically, but we'll we'll be in that feed as well for quite a while, I think. Um, Eddie, final thoughts. Final thoughts. I think we're in for a great weekend at Watkins Glen. I think that the Indy Road Course kind of proved that you don't need, you know, a bunch of a bunch of crashes or cautions to kind of keep everyone close. Um, so yeah, I think that we're gonna have some great racing, and I think that people are gonna be trying some things because they know that the only other chance you have after this is gonna be Daytona. Absolutely. Eddie, looking forward to a clean, consistent race. I don't know if we'll see it or not, but I like your optimism. Uh, My final thought is this. If we look at what the regular season standings are right now, I just want to put a final emphasis on Martin Trex Jr. has had a full recovery this season, and I was wrong. I'm very impressed with what that 19 team has put together this year. Denny Hamlin's still my championship pick uh, because I picked him literally when the season ended last year and i won't budge from that but incredible year for martin tricks jr also want to highlight william byron uh for having a fantastic regular season as well those are two guys that i feel like are just unbelievably impressive um this year and just wanted to shine a light on them 
Thank you all so much for listening. This has been episode 20 of Positions Net, I think. It's either 19 or 20. I kind of forget. Well, thank you all for listening. We'll see you all next week. Later.